You are listening to episode 51 of The Bastards of Kingsgrave. Welcome back, everyone, to our ongoing reviews of George R. R. Martin's earlier works. As usual, this is Amin, and I'm joined by uh, quite a few of our vassals of Kingsgraves today who will introduce themselves in order of enthusiasm for football. <laughs> Woohoo! That's me! Go Seahawks! Um, hi, this is Amber. Amber rocks on the forums. Hi, this is uh, Michael. I'm Morty on the forum. Hook'em horns. <laughs> well, it, all I know about football is from Friday Night Lights, where it would occasionally interrupt the episode. But uh, yeah, hi, my name's Duncan, uh, also known as Valkyrie on the forums. Uh, this is Greg, uh, only likes baseball, Chloe's the Fool on the forums. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're uh, going to, to one of George R. R. Martin's expert fields, which if you read is not a blog, it's football. He, he watches a lot of football, he knows a lot about football, but not many people know that he's actually written about football before, and he's mixed it with his sci-fi interests. So today we will be reviewing Run to Starlight, at least, and we might be also reviewing um, The Last Super Bowl if we record that later in the week combine the two. But I thought it would be appropriate to do this now with the Super Bowl coming up. Do we know exactly when Run to Starlight was published? Uh, yeah, I looked it up. It looks like it was... Well, it's funny, because if you read the story, at the end of it, it says like, like it was written in 1970, but I don't think it was published until 1974. I think it was Gallery, right? Hmm. Yeah. Because uh, each story in the collection, he ends it, you know, the dates of when it, when it was finished at the end of each story. It says Evanston, Illinois, 1970. I, I wonder who was in the Super Bowl in 1970. <laughs> that had any effect. <laughs> Do they have Super Bowls back in 1970? Yeah, it started right in 60-something. Right? <laughs> I was being serious. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was later than that. Mid sixties was something like that. Because it's forty nine this year, right? So somewhere around forty nine years ago. Who was in the first Super Bowl, Amber? The Packers. The Packers. Packers The Packers. That was a trivia question. (laughs) Who were they against, though? Not the Seahawks. (laughs) (laughs) All I know. Kansas okay. City Chiefs. We're going Sorry. to do uh, a full spoiler, uh, f- uh-huh. full review of the story run to Starlight. But why don't we start around with our round of um, lemon cakes out of five lemon cakes? What we gave and why? Uh, I I thought it was a, a perfectly cute little story. I gave it. It was a good story. I gave it four. Uh, I wasn't actually a big fan. Um, I'm going to put mine somewhere around two point five, maybe. I didn't really feel like I was tied in with any of the characters. I felt like the ending was. Uh, relatively obvious. I liked some of the, like, the, in the last football game, like the tactics back and forth I enjoyed. Uh, but other than that, I, I just wasn't a big fan. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the story while I was reading it. I thought it was sort of nicely written. The dialogue was good. The action sequence at the end, I thought was really exciting and vivid. Um, but I'm not sure if Martin was able to say anything all that deep and meaningful with it. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't really stay with you like his other stories. Uh, but I, I did like the idea of a sports story written from like a bureaucrat's position or point of view rather than like an underdog athlete. Um, so I thought that was kind of unique. And I was overall surprised by Martin's sort of hopefulness compared to some of his other stories. So I'll give it three and a half lemon cakes. Uh, I'm kind of with Michael. I'll give it like 2.5. It was it was a fine story, but I, I kind of – it reminds me of kind of like Arthur Clarke, like these – late fifties, early sixties, like kind of hokey dialogue with the G whiz and the, you know, Hill and, and Tompkins. It was, it didn't never <laughs> felt like an actual conversation. Um, but I, I did like that. Uh, it was the non-humans that kind of were the heroes of the story. Like I, I figured that's where it was going. Cause you know, Martin writes a lot about other cultures and, and, you know, he's not like super rah-rah patriotic, but, uh, I, I did like the ending and, and, uh, it was, it was enjoyable, but it's, it wasn't my favorite of his, but it's, I give it a solid 2.5. It's, it's fine. 
Yeah, I guess we have to give it in context. In context, that it's it was nineteen seventy. It's one of his earliest works. Mm. I mean, even before Second Kind of Loneliness, I think, and some of the other stuff we reviewed. This might be the old, oldest thing we've reviewed actually so far. But I think I'll, I'll give it four out of five, mainly because uh, I'm not a huge fan of football. I mean, uh, and yet I was able to enjoy it. I, and the same, I think he did the same thing as he done with like when he described chess and unsound variations. He's able to make something that you might not know a, lo- a lot about and still make it interesting. Um, and and he mixed in his you know his uh, love of science fiction into it and even a bit of politics as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I did enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, sorry to go back. I guess part of the reason I rated it fairly high. Um, to be honest, I'm just very pro football lately. Mm. Um, but it, it also it was a really accessible kind of you know sports ball as as metaphor for intergalactic relations and you know how. Really, and at some point, you can take huge conflicts and and just boil them down to, you know, two teams kind of facing off, and it it works well that way. I mean, even a bit of his anti-war politics, in a way, I think, kind of gets into there. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so basically, we're just going to go through the story, and if anything of interest came up, we'll just highlight it or discuss it. Um, just right off the bat, I found the idea of artificial gravity grid in like free fall football pretty interesting. Yeah, he he. This is this predates Ender's Game, and this kind of reminded <laughs> me of like the battle room in Ender's Game. So <laughs> yeah. you know, he had that first. But uh, I just wanted to ask: is it is this set? In, I know it's George George Sphere, but is do you think this is George verse or this is kind of before he had his world or universe hmm. together? Because I don't, I don't. Rec- it's just Earth and the belt, and they mention the aliens, and there's like twelve different kinds of aliens, but we only meet one of them. So I didn't know mm-hmm. if this is just a standalone. It is actually mentioned in Dream Songs, and I think he says it's not part of his Thousands Worlds universe. I think he says uh, Rhonda Starlight and A Peripheral Affair are, are part of a different continuity, and they're, okay. they're part of the two-star two ring stories rather than the other, the other stories. Hmm. Okay. Research. So what was the other read. star ring story then? Uh, it's called A Peripheral Affair. I haven't read it. Yeah, I haven't read either. Hmm. To add it to the list. Mm-hmm. Must be like a really early one. But I don't think it fits with the same thing as Second Kind of Loneliness either, because they didn't seem to have aliens in that one, and it was very limited there. Mm. Uh, so this is, yeah, this is this is its own, like, early verse. It definitely, like, obviously it's kind of future Earth, but it did feel kind of, and maybe it's the dialogue or just the way I picture clothes and the stadium and everything in my head, but it does seem kind of, like, 70s futuristic. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, kind of like Asimov. Little, I mean, they're still using paper yeah. printouts and stuff like that. But it's uh, it was it's I, it's not cozy science fiction, but like it's almost kind of golden agey a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that sort of Twilight Zone sort of metaphor. It's like an episode of the Twilight Zone. Where it wraps up neatly. It's got a little moral yeah. at the end. <laughs> it could be an episode of the Twilight Zone. It actually, that's what I thought. It might have been. It felt more like a screenplay than some of his other short stories, which are much more sort of long and stream of consciousness and narration heavy. Whereas this is much more dialogue heavy. Dialogue's fairly sort of punchy. It feels like it's meant to be on the screen, and there's a big sort of action thing at the end. Yeah, I mean, another reason why it doesn't really fit into the George verse is the British theory that are in this story. They seem to have like a really deep war with the humans. That's not mentioned at all, and the humans kind of face bigger threats than that mm-hmm. later on. So. Yeah. So, so specifically, the humans have had a war with the British theory. It's been over, I guess, ten years or so, or some. So it was, yeah, I think it's with seven years. Seven, yeah. Yeah, seven years. Okay, yeah. It's recent memory. It's still there's still a lot of uh, open wounds. 
yeah. there, and uh, the leader of their uh, peace, no, their trade mission there. He's also leader of the peace party. Uh, has come to try to register a team for their children, who apparently age uh, much quicker and are from a heavy world planet, so they they're far stronger than humans are. You had a question about like the league. Like it seems like this is more. It's not like a national football league. Like it's like no, no. intramurals. Yeah. Like you know, Bob's Hardware Store sponsors this yeah. team. So <laughs> it kind of. I know I like that, but it, it's reminded me of Little League. You know, where you had the, the banners yeah. of of the whichever yeah. local stores sponsoring you. But it, it was weird that like this very small scale league is yeah. being you know is the sort of the, the chessboard that they're basing all their geopolitical stuff on you know so it it's sort of like residents there like in that in that region yeah i mean i felt like it was like i mean while a local league it was still like a like a majorish city like it was a starport and whatever right yeah it was like a trade city or something yeah so there's enough business there i guess trade and, and people living there that it could be a town in itself so Roger Hill is not happy with his job right now. He's having trouble. <laughs> I just picture him going ruff, 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 all the time. <laughs> every, every time Tompkins walks in, he's got a cigar and an ashtray and, and screaming at his intercom. Angelus, get me, get in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny how right off the bat he's very kind of speciesist. Hmm. Like you know, he's kind of which seven years is not a long time to have been in a terrible war with someone and then have to you know shake their hand but i mean he just went straight to the oh the bullet heads and you know in I, a, I didn't, it was cross. i didn't actually read it as speciest i thought it was more just him looking at the sort of pr angle like that's exactly what all the conservatives would say if he went through with it and that's exactly what they did say i didn't actually get maybe he was there was a bit of discrimination or prejudice order but i didn't feel like he was especially in his later conversations with um What's his name? Rimjad Nay. He didn't seem that that sort of prejudiced against him. I think it was more the I mean, he seemed he seemed open enough that it wouldn't have that if there weren't the political angles in there that it probably wouldn't have bothered him. Yeah. But it, it was like that that first like at first you're introduced to Hill and okay here's your protagonist but then he's kind of right off the bat a little bit just slimy. And, and that's almost sort of like one of the themes, I guess, of the story. It's more important what things look like than what they actually are. Mm. Remjard wants to get his team registered, and, and uh, Hill tries whatever excuse he can get to block him, but he keeps answering with a counter answer. And, and it looks like he's going to get on there, but uh, because they are technically late for registering, the fact that they're late, they, they don't really ex- the Bishteri don't really ex- uh, expect an, an exception to be made. They're very rule bound. Stannis yeah. type. Their house, their house <laughs> words are rules is rules. <laughs> <laughs> it would support Stannis. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he would do well with them. I guess. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he could get some of that, then on his side. Yes, as long as it's written down. <laughs> Melisandre opens a star portal and he brings over. I'd read that fan fiction. <laughs> And they have, then they play football and drag itself. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. I would. I would watch Bruce Deary against the Unsullied. Mm. Probably Bruce Deary probably. Killed yeah, they the just hop right over the shield wall and then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the humans are surprisingly well. I guess. I mean, like, I guess having projectile weapons helps make up for the physical. Yeah, I mean, I would think in any sort of like space age war that the. Uh, physicality of the participants is not a huge issue yeah well it's it's, it's speed and strength i mean the humans as faster the bristeria stronger yeah i'm not that was another thing like i mean what I, i'm not a xenobiologist but i didn't i didn't buy that i don't understand why they're that much slower 
that didn't that didn't ring for me. Like if I thought it was ju- adorable. I mean, they're much stronger. They can jump really high. Why on earth would they run slowly? I think, I think there's different muscles though involved. I think their muscles are so toward maybe it's, like they it's, just it's don't. I guess. It's, it's kind of it's kind of the opposite because in the Edgar Rice Burroughs stories, uh, John Carter when he goes to Mars since he yeah grew yeah up that's actually in, what I was thinking about. Right, but that's the opposite, right? Where he grew up in the, in heavier gravity exactly, and, and yeah, he can like event. jump 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 super high and yeah run super exactly. Fast. Yeah, I kind of thought of it like an elephant. You know, I mean, obviously, once they get up to speed, they're really fast. But uh, you know, when they're kind of moving around, they're kind of lumbering a bit. Yeah, it might be more the agility thing. Like they can't make those quick movements because they they're so sort of turns. lumbering. I guess. Yeah. I guess that I can buy that they can't yeah. make turns and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like every time it's a very stop and start the- game. Every time I picture them throwing the football, I picture it like someone who's never thrown a ball before, and they do that <laughs> short arm, like, and it just goes like, <laughs> but then they can kick the ball really far because they're, they're super strong and kill people yeah. with the field goals. Uh, I did like. They should play rugby, right? It's that there's oh, kicking, yeah. a lot of kicking and <laughs> rugby. Short passes. <laughs> I don't really know how rugby works. But no, I think there's not, better not much that. kicking in rugby. Hmm. Oh, don't they kick on the run sometimes in rugby? Is that not? Never mind. I, don't uh, know. I, I, played, I played rugby. Is that where the scrum from comes from? <laughs> Well, they'd be decimating in like the scrum part of rugby, but I was I was thinking there's more kicking on the run. I guess there's not, but anyway, we don't need to go into a, yeah. a discussion about rugby. Yeah, we, you we don't can, know how they'll do in Australian awesome. football, though. That's the question. <laughs> yeah, not well. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much running. Yeah. So yeah, so Hale is able to turn them away because of uh, a technicality which they respect, although they are still disappointed. And then he gets visited by uh, Tompkins. Yeah, but what, what is it? Is like federal like extraterrestrial relations. Uh, yeah, concierge or something like mm. that. And what does he have to say here? Oh, he wants him to let him in, right? Because yeah. he wants to, to heal the rift between the uh, the two species after the war. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of yeah. like, because it kind of reminded me of um, World War One. There was you know, the Christmas truce of 1914, where both the Germans and basically on the Western Front, everybody stopped killing each other, and they, they played soccer <laughs> for a night. And mm. everybody everybody hated it because the war almost came, fell to pieces, and like the uh, the soldiers were all shipped, you know, to different parts. And but uh, it's kind of like how they're using sports to kind of bridge the gap between cultures. I mean, this mm-hmm. isn't during the war; it's after. But it's a, it's a good idea how to how to, to bring people together. Yeah, well, the politicians and the officers hated it, right? Mm. <laughs> the men the men loved it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. And then the uh, pro war party was going to just use the excuse that they weren't letting them in, as they were afraid to. So they had to kind of counteract that by letting them in. It is surprising that they would just not even consider that the Bristeri would kick their asses. Hmm. Yeah, honestly, like I'm, yeah, I'm baffled by the fact that that was another (laughs) thing that, yeah, another little thing that was annoying to me was just like the idea that they thought they were going to be bad, and it's just like, what are you? (laughs) Are you crazy? Like, it's not professional football or something where like the skill level is so high. It's you know youth football. Like, if somebody is enormously strong, like of course they're just going to walk over everybody else. They didn't expect as quite as big of a deficit, or that they would be taken that seriously, but they did. Yeah, yeah, those scores seemed unusually high, even for football, right? Those are the scores. <laughs> I mean, they were high, but they weren't like ridiculous or anything. Yeah, I guess they they're just figured they never they'd never played before. They wouldn't have the appropriate skills, even for a, yeah, a, a, an easier match. I guess. But I mean, it just—I don't know. It just seems like that they, in the course of the war, if there'd been any. You know, infantry stuff, and maybe there wasn't. I mean, in a space where there's no reason they necessarily would have had to have been. But um, it seems like somebody would have realized, like, boy, it's really hard to knock these guys down, and be like, look, <laughs> that might be that might be a problem in football. 
Uh-oh. And they might not be as fast on their feet, but clearly they have strategy. They understand how the game works and yeah. adjust to it eventually. Yeah. Well, what, what was the short story we did? Was it the veteran or, or the guy that was like the veteran guy? What was that called? Yeah, with the powered armor. Yeah. Uh, the hero or something? The hero, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think the physicality still is important when you, like, take a planet or something. If you're having like, In the George, battles, yeah, yeah. In right. the George verse, yeah. yeah. I think that was the first story we ever discussed. Aww. I did wonder the whole his whole deal with Tompkins was, hey, can you get me a gravity grid? And I wonder mm. they never did end up getting it, and I was kind of wondered like how would that affect the game? Mm. I mean, what? it must just be a completely different game at that point, right? Yeah, yeah I think that made it like anti, you know, completely like zero gravity, like battle room type stuff, mm. <laughs> free fall and all that. George More catch the slaggy. More optimistic the slaggy. about football in the future. That is, this is the one that the aliens want to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I imagine that they looked around at the other sports and they were like, "This one seems like ours, guys." <laughs> the one. Well, where, I, I mean, good. They might do well at basketball. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They would actually be yeah. pretty decent at basketball. Hmm. It would be a weird. I mean, they'd be like a. a It'd be weird looking on the court, like they wouldn't be able to play normally. Mm. Uh, they, but they would just like somebody would go down and stand by the bass. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah they can block everything. I don't know how well they do on defense. I think yeah, they're, they're a bit. Bad. Yeah, because you can't just stand by the goal and jump in basketball. I think. Pretty sure that's illegal. So, anyways, Tompkins, as he said, uh, tries to bribe him with a gravity grid, and he agrees to let him in. And they'll cover the. Basically, what they do is they let the other teams in as well. So it's no longer just an exception for the Bristeri. It's uh, just like they have more funding for more teams now. Things so they are able to get around that rule thing. And uh, so, what is the team called? The Kosk Anjin? Uh, or the Baldy Eagles is the. Baldy Eagles, yeah. More racist <laughs> species. <laughs> but they, they start doing well. They win the first game. In fact, they don't. Uh, I don't think they trail in any of their games until the last game. And uh, Tompkins yeah. shows up and he's like, "What's going on here? We're losing too many games. The pro war party is getting gaining too much out of this, and they're they're get putting more, they're getting more involved. They're staking more on the results of the game, which is important later." It kind of made me wonder what the the populace, just the everyday people who are coming to the shows to be entertained, if there's if they have any concept of you know that this is a bigger game than what's going on just on the field. Hmm. Yeah, but they seem like they're a society that take things literally, like uh, the, the tattooed guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> you know, so like they're like, oh, we're winning at football, we can we can win it in, in a real war. And there's always the comparisons of a foot, you know, of, of sports to war, you know, the strategy yeah. and everything. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, the competition of superpowers taken to now like different species competing, although it's still a smaller league. But, yeah. Uh, well, that happens too with all like the junior championships and stuff, a world juniors kind of thing for whatever sport. Yeah, it's still reflected there. Uh, but I, I, like, I mean, in this current war, like it, it was a bloody ceasefire. But I have I kind of like the feeling that maybe the humans are lucky to get a ceasefire, and federal relations knows that. Mm. Maybe it was like just the, the pro peace faction took over and Bristarian stopped the war, but otherwise it would have. Been- well, didn't it say something about that? You know, they they had made it look to the people like they had won the war, but really it was much closer and uglier than yeah. officials let on. Like most wars. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Bristeri are stronger, they, they mature faster, Like, and they seem to be like, if they really wanted to go for it, they could just commit 100%. They're like, they are Team Stannis. So. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the first game where the 
Tompkins guy comes up and he's like, well, they've never really played football before, so the odds are they'll lose. <laughs> Tompkins, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? Blew it. You blew it. His, his brother-in-law hired him. He's, he's just like, yeah. he's a hired him. He's not having him. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in that position. I did like the the description of them in their tight fitting black uniforms. The the it's it's kind of cute. Like the way the story it feels like it sets you up to be on the human side and to be suspicious of these aliens and they come out and I just picture this kind of adorable big green lizard guys just standing around like the British theory that we do meet seem pretty decent. I mean, this is their first yeah, party. But. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never really had a negative impression of them. It was all the humans that were being really horrible. Like, yeah. The, yeah. It starts off with the guy coming and saying, oh, can, can my son be on his little league, in your little league team? It's so <laughs> yeah. cute. Yeah. No yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a bad impression of them, but I, I felt like that was the angle that the story was trying to be, you know, was kind of presented from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's also funny is Hill gets roasted in the newspapers or whatever the equivalent, the media. Like everyone's like paints him as like the villain who has betrayed the humanity. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. Batman. He has to sacrifice yeah. his reputation. Mm. <laughs> he's the, I, I he's the, the hero they deserve. Yeah, the stadium was was like uh, you know made in remembrance of the war victims or whatever, and then they're playing there, and it's like the injustice. Yeah, yeah, I tried to say, there's still that, a lot of wounds. So, yeah, yeah that, it did seem like that was pretty, uh, you know, I tried to think like if the Japanese baseball team came over and played the, you know, the, the U.S. All-Stars in 1952, like, that, mm. it, would, it would be pretty similar to this. Yeah. With more racism, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, this was, yeah. uh, I guess Vietnam was still ongoing at this time, right? I was thinking maybe that was still in his <laughs> mind, but. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And it could also just be a larger sort of Cold War metaphor, the idea that when you're not actually fighting your enemy in the field, you fight them everywhere else. You fight them in, you know, trade and propaganda and PR and in basically in sport. You know, there's a lot of uh, yeah. Olympics, basically, where the, mm-hmm. it's American nationalism versus the Russian Empire and all that. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a lot of national pride and patriotism and all that and identity tied up in sports teams. And yet, better to have it there than to actually have actually have combat. Well, I think Martin sort of presents the pros and the cons because the cons are, you know, it can inflame tensions that are already existing. But by the same token, it can also make rivals, you know, bond over a mutual love of sport or respect each other on the field, or, or even just vent their aggression on the field rather than the battlefield. I guess. Sports. It's America. It's sports. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think you, you can tell, you know, Martin really loves like you know, football and sports. Yeah. And, and it, it's interesting, like you don't really get many stories about sports from this angle, or maybe you do, but I just, the most of the sports stories I've read or seen on film or whatever have been about a sort of underdog athlete or an, an underdog team basically rising up and proving their worth and all that. But I don't know, it's sort of a different perspective in this. It's more the... The, the PR political angle of sports, which is interesting. Yeah, and they're they're usually. I mean, baseball. There's a, there's a lot of stories about baseball, and actually, I searched on his live journal just for you know if the story was ever referenced, and there was only like one or two times that he mentioned it because someone had asked him, um, like, how, how come you, there's not much written about uh, baseball, uh, not much written about football. And I have a quote here. You mind if I read it? Sure, kind of just explains his uh, reasons for writing, and he says. Uh, Said that being said, baseball is still the more literary sport for whatever reason. Many more books and stories have been written about baseball, real and fictional, than all other sports combined. The same is true of film, as you point out. 
Um, I have done my own part to redress that imbalance, by the way. Back in the 70s, I wrote two science fiction football stories, Run to Starlight and The Last Super Bowl, which is about to be outdated. Though I do like baseball, I have never written a baseball story, maybe one day. So it's like he, he was trying to address the uh, the imbalance that there, there really isn't much uh, football stuff out there. And then I tried to Google The Last Super Bowl in his live journal, but there's 6,000 references to Super Bowls. So <laughs> <laughs> <couldn't find> <laughs> Like finding a, a needle in a stack of needles. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so here, Tompkins is saying, like, this is bad. Is there any way you can arrange for them to, for the British Dairy to lose? And then Gil says, what do you think I'm doing here, running professional wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. So they can't fix it, but what they can do is, is Jack and him can, like, look at how the game's been going and try to come up with some strategies to help out the best human team that's in the league. Yeah. Which I think is so funny because, for goodness sake, this is our, by the time they have that conversation, isn't it already fairly close to the end of the season? Like, yeah. I think they would have. You think his that other career teams. Is already going down the tubes. Right. But Blastoff is the best uh, human team there. So just like the other teams are not uh, as good, anyways. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, and again, and obviously, like their ta- tactics were countered. Um, yeah. Anyway. But I would have, I would think that somebody would have, uh, you know, at least tried to do other things. I mean, like, for God's sakes, it was the first team, uh, they were the first team to even try running out of the shotgun, which is insane. <laughs> I mean, you're getting sacked on every play and you're never like, maybe we should try running out of the shotgun. Right, you have to explain what shotgun is. Yeah, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> if, uh, normally in a football play, the quarterback is directly underneath the center and the center hands him the ball and that starts the play. Okay. So, I mean, his hands are right under the guy's butt. Uh, shotgun is he takes, you know, four or five steps backwards and the center th- sort of throws the ball back between his legs. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. And, and, and so it just gives you more time. You've, you're back there for already. So. <clears throat> okay. So then they get to the big day of the game where, uh, the crowd's full and, uh, Blastoff in comes up with a very taxis- tactics, like you said, like the shotgun and other ones and actually gets ahead initially. But uh, the British series start coming back, and the problem is the British series almost score almost every time they get the ball. So you have to pretty much score to keep up with them and yeah. stay ahead, and uh, things start to falter in the middle. <clears throat> but they usually don't get the extra points because they can't kick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, like the, they re, they respond to the to the changes that the blast off in does with their own like change in formations, and they start uh, jumping around, right? Yeah. I thought that was so hilarious. It's definitely just funny. Just kind of looks around and just <laughs> and then does it, blast does, off. Yeah. Um, does it say how high they're jumping? I, I don't. Remember. I'm looking for it this now, but I high. Didn't. Let's see. I think it said five feet, something like that. So they're basically they've got their hands what like ten, fifteen feet up the ground, something like that. Let's see. Leaped at least five feet into the air and then uh, knocked it aside with a slap. And so they're shorter than us, right? They're like yeah. five feet tall. Yeah. So their hands are probably up like at twelve feet or something like that. I don't know. Like unless they're really bouncing up and down a lot, it, that seems like a difficult way to. Yeah. I well, guess in in uh, youth football, like your passing accuracy is not great anyway. Yeah. So. Like doing that thing gets into the head of the quarterback. I mean, later on when yeah. it actually doesn't matter as much, he d- he does manage to counter that as well. But he probably, sure. probably would have lo- he wouldn't have picked that up in time. Yeah. If things hadn't changed. So. Mm-hmm. Um. So things are looking grim at halftime. I think the British are ahead, right? They're ahead at 31-24 at halftime. And it looks like, like the Blastoff team is going to be run out of the park. Um, but, but then... But then, somebody shows up. <laughs> Ramjard yeah. May shows up, and he goes to the locker room, and, and uh, 
Phil's like wondering what's going on here. You can tell there's something weird going on. He hasn't shown up before to the games because he was told I think not to. it's kind of funny that that there's not a oh that's right never mind I, f- I forgot that they said no nah, it's probably best if you don't show up I was gonna say I think it's funny that there's not a contingent of yeah. Rich Deary spectators but he wanted go. to come but they told him just to watch from home on the, like the three video the three D TV or whatever so it is weird that he showed up but he came with a purpose mm-hmm. because he'll he'll could sense the difference the team look seems a lot looser knows what's going to go on it's a team that knows that they're going to either win or lose but now in fact. They're, they know they're going to lose the British theory. Yeah, that was the first interception that they'd ever ever threw, I think, in the whole league. That lets, I mean, that lets the quarterback, the human quarterback, kind of get back into it, and they start also changing their tactics. But it wouldn't have happened if they hadn't had that bit of a drop there. <clears throat> and final score is 56-31 for Blastoff in. The wrong team had been run out of the stadium. Tompkins is happy because he doesn't know what's going on. He's just like, yeah, it's <laughs> That's when he's happiest. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like taken aback at how stupid, like the brilliant government, the guy who's in charge of alien relations. But then I'm like, okay, that yeah, it doesn't make sense that the government is, is the guy who knows no clue what's going on. Well, he's just an agent too. Like he probably has lots of superiors, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. Well, that, that's the funny thing. Like everyone, probably everyone on the FD, whatever it's called, the Fed. Um, thing is all working on the different angles of the war. No one takes sports seriously because why would you see that as a as a viable tool of propaganda? But you know, props to him, I guess. If, even if he's not the most competent person, he sees the danger in that and the potential for that to spill into into new conflict. Yeah, I guess. But it just kind of makes me think maybe he's just wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, well, all right. I mean, like, you have an idea, but you're so stupid in so many other arenas that. Yeah. Either yeah. that or he's incredibly savvy and he's just not <laughs> Just playing dumb, yeah. The Game yeah. of Thrones, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Oh, he's, he's more of a Tommen type character. He's, yeah, I think they're giving him too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Nothing could dent Tompkins' grin. <laughs> uh, but he's smart. Man. He knows something's not teams this good don't collapse like they did in the second half. Um, wait, isn't there four quarters in football or is it only two halves? It's both four quarters or two halves. <laughs> there's two quarters per half. That nah. works out. Yeah. Math, no, but I mean, like they, they don't. They didn't have a break. Like no, there's not really a. There's not really a break, break between in between the, the quarters. I mean, like you just break in, in, in the halftime. Yeah, at halftime you go to the locker room or whatever. In between quarters you Isn't just switch. When... No, but in basketball there is though, right? I mean, they stop in between quarters, and there's some commercials, and they switch which uh, <laughs> end of the field they're on and stuff like that, but. There's, There's only not time like for that. speeches in the half. In half exactly. It's, you it's not speech. a stupid uh, question, by the way. I mean, you could cut any sport into quarters, but it doesn't. No, no. Yeah, celebrate. absolutely. No, I wasn't. Except yeah, hockey. I wasn't. I wasn't yeah. saying it was a dumb. Well, yeah. <laughs> you could cut each period into two thirds of a period. You could if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, no. I wasn't saying it was a stupid question. Yeah. I was just saying that it, that it both uh, measurements are recognized. Yeah. Cool. Quarters exist as to halves. <laughs> and halftime is when he went down there, right? The yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so then uh, Hill still suspects that there's something up here, so he goes to talk to Rem Jardinet, and he goes in, and Rem Jardinet is saying, uh, didn't you enjoy the game? Our, our half-man did pretty well. And he's like, don't lie to me. I know you threw the game. I don't want to know why. Um, and then there's that second where he kind of thinks, oh, maybe I... You know, maybe I'm in a little trouble down here all by myself. You know, he, he gets a little scared. <laughs> scary alien. Yeah, along with a scary, super powerful alien. I've just insulted their honor. I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. 
But then, then he smiles because when he almost falls over, <laughs> going backwards. <he's... laughs> yeah, and uh, which he is said, probably pretty scary too, seeing that this this terrifying alien. Yeah, it's like a crocodile break, break grin, into smile. Or alligator <laughs> grin there. <laughs> uh, but then he says honor is too too is not really related to this kind of game, and also there's no official rule saying that you have to play your best. And uh, Hill says, well, there's an unwritten rule. And then he says, well, to the Bristeri, there's nothing as meaningless as an unwritten rule. It's a contradiction. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that was my good quote from the story for me. Hmm. <clears throat> and I also like the, the, he says, our values, he's like, yes, we are proud people. We're, you know, we're competitive people, but, you know, our values are flexible enough to adjust to the situation at hand, which I think is actually pretty, it seems kind of an advanced way of thinking. Oh, yeah, I, I really like what he says there. He says, humans amuse me. You, at- you attach a few catchphrases to a culture, and then you think you understand it. But there's more to that to a culture. And I think like you, you could go like talk about like Klingons and Star Trek and honor and how that's like applied everywhere. And this is already a- ahead of that, this view of aliens that Martin has in the 70s. is showing that you can't just may- may- attach one thing to a culture and say that's it. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's a pretty evolved way of thinking just in general. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, you don't... Especially if you just watch movies and TV, like that's not what you get. But yeah. you know, even with everything going on today, you can't loop lump any one culture into a couple words. Even yeah. even within America, one even politics, you can't do that because that doesn't mm-hmm. get you anywhere. Yeah. Cultures are not that simple. They are very complex mechanisms. And so, like this stuff. I mean, this is things that he draws upon in Song of Ice and Fire. Like the roots are from his earlier works. As we, that's basically what we've been saying in all these reviews, right? Yeah. So. Is there any reason why he didn't use real team names? Do you think, like that, he kept it very small scale, or was there any? Is that a legal thing? Like he couldn't. I mean, I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have wanted to, right? I mean, because yeah. part of the way that the, I mean, part of the reason that the story works is that um, while they have big physical advantages, like neither their, like their skill is poor, and the teams that they're playing don't really have great skill levels either. Yeah, because they're still what, that like that, eighteen or yeah, and I think that that's important for the. The kind of story he wanted to have. Hmm. Okay. Like, he doesn't want professionals. Professionals would be... Like, any professionals would either just, like, destroy them or get destroyed physically with no, like, redra- like no way to come back at all. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you have kids, then, like, there's other things and things they haven't tried and, and whatever. Okay. And here, That's Re- my read on it, anyway. Yeah. Ramjard looks at Hill for a while and decides whether he's going to keep talking, which is the same thing that Tompkins did as well as before. It's like Hill has a trust of, trustable face or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like a look to him, and uh, it's only a game, and there's competitions more important than a game. So yeah, there were a couple Ender's game. Just like he kind of reminded me of Colonel Graf from Ender's Game, who's the, the, the character who's this. He is this very gruff. Nobody really likes him, but he does know what he's doing, and he is a bureaucrat. But he has to, you know, manage so much at once. And uh, also at the end of Ender's Game, one of the characters like goes back to Earth and becomes the football commissioner, which I I, I liked. Kind of <laughs> reminded me of him. Dink, so I think it was. The fact that the pro-war party put staked everything on what was going on with the football was a huge blow to them that they lost, and now the peace party is going to win in the equivalent of elections. I guess. Do you, do you think that was um, Rim, Rimja Ney's plan all along? Like he assumed that the the his his oh. team would win the whole time, and he he yeah. used that I, I kind to, of to sort of plant to sort of plant the seeds in the in the heart of the conservative base in the war party back home. To rally them up, maybe even he provoked some of it, and then in the last quarter, have them lose and undo all of that support. Although he back, does mention at one point uh, that he, I think he gets surprised about, like he hears about what what's happening. Let's see. All right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would say that would, that's completely possible. But uh, I received word from Bishan this afternoon about the way the victories are being put. 
So like, it seems like it was a surprise to him as well. Yeah, and he's and Hill's like, well, I guess all we had to do was just tell you what was going on. Yeah, which it makes both sides seem just a little kind of silly, like that that Remjard wouldn't wouldn't realize, wouldn't see that his the people of his own group were you know staking a lot on this. I mean, it seems like all you would have to do would be look around and you would see that propaganda. I mean, because people get really whipped yeah, up I, about their sports. Yeah, I don't understand why anybody needed to tell him anything, right? Like, I, he's looking at his own political situation more closely than they are, I would think, right? If he's, yeah. the leader, if he's the leader of one of these factions and he's like, shit, this football thing's really kicking my ass. And it's like, I guess, we'll just, I'll, I guess we'll just win every game unless some random guy comes up to me at halftime and is like, hey... Like what the? Well, I mean, the the, the players are just kids. Like, <laughs> no, no, yeah, the players, yeah. sure. The he players himself, don't know. He got news of what happened, but I mean, like he himself wasn't viewing it this way either. So, like, you don't, you're not thinking like your opponents sometimes, right? You think yeah. Differently from your opponent. That's why they're your opponents. Otherwise, you have the same mind, and you, you wouldn't be your opponent. So he didn't view it this way. It took him a while to figure out that the other side is taking advantage of it. It, it is sort of casting football and sports in this negative light. I don't know what Martin's saying that it's sort of. It's not necessarily all about athleticism and who's best. It's more about these these sort of shadows, figures in the shadows who are pulling the strings. I don't know. It kind of undermines, I guess, the love of the game. Although I was surprised that they didn't actually try and fix the game. Although they I should, guess Rimjard Rim does at the end. Right? They deflated yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> But they didn't. They didn't actually try and they they tried to work out a way that was actually still legal. Like when he brought up, is there some way that we can get them to win? I thought it was immediately going to be, you know, let's let's spike their drinks or let's let's you know get one of their players injured. But no. They, they still try and do it honestly, which is interesting. It's like a weirdly yeah. earnest it's kind of story. Of yeah, that's sort of true. Has Martin commented about all this deflated ball stuff on his blog? or is he... uh, A little bit. He hates okay. Bill Belichick. Uh, that's the <laughs> Patriots coach. And so like, I'm sure uh, he definitely thinks that, you know, uh, there's nothing that he would put past Bill Belichick. So, um, yeah, I, I imagine that he thinks that it's true. Just based, just, just on that alone. <laughs> Was, was this a game in America? Yeah, the uh, the uh, AFC Championship game. Uh, some of the balls provided by one of the teams were two psi lower than they were allowed to be, or something like that. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know. I think, Scandalous. I think that's. I think that's probably the best reaction I've ever heard. Oh no! Were there riots? I don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, close enough. Probably serious. There's always riots after football game, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> when they win or lose, there's a riot. Yeah. They won by so much, though, that it didn't really matter. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, the New York Post begs to differ for the covers of the last six days. <laughs> <laughs> so here, uh, Tompkins comes back. He's like, oh, I guess everything's okay. And they, they lie to him. He's like, yeah, Tompkins still fooled here. Yeah. And yeah, now he wants him to work for ET Relations. And he's like, I don't know anything about that. Tom's, Tom's like, that's okay. You don't need to know anything. <laughs> yeah, God, knows, God knows you know more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking your yeah. job. He has transferable skills. Like his, Have his, you seen me? Yeah. <laughs> but a sports director here. The other alien trade missions want to take him, get involved now. A double your present salary, too. That's nice. I feel like this interspecies play stuff is not going to, it's not ultimately a good idea. <laughs> like, I think it's interesting, actually. It's it's super interesting, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just saying, like from a like the whole point of games generally is that they're 
you know, predicated on some sort of like basic fairness kind of a thing. And this is like absolutely not, right? Like it's you, the teams have to play in completely different ways. Oh, they should make teams where you have a limit of each type of like species on the team. It's oh, like, oh, oh, I see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an idea. Yeah, you yeah, can, you can have a position that's best suited to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. From, yeah. Which one? Which which story is the the tough voyaging where it's a beast for Norn Nairn? Something yeah. where that's how they kind of judge who is powerful in the society is who yeah, the arena fights with the yeah animals. whose animals yeah. beats yeah. the other animals. It's kind of the same thing. It's like here's your proxy, go kick the other guy's ass. But I think it would be cool to have that kind of all star thing or that rule, it's like a species cap. Yeah, that that would be interesting. You could have like two two of this race or two of this species and two of that. that would it, it almost interesting. Changed. It almost changes the sport because the sport has been designed around human capabilities. And then when you have yeah. this entire other alien species yeah, exactly. that have all these other capabilities, it just it changes the whole dynamic, which is interesting in one sense because it's actually challenging the humans to change up their game. And it does. It makes mm-hmm. them better players at the end, which is kind of a – yeah, well, it's like, cool. But they, they almost need to create a different league altogether that sort of embraces the skills of both, both mm-hmm. uh, races. Maybe they'll do like a okay, – okay. I was going to say maybe they'll use the gravity field whatever and they'll mm-hmm. make it all zero gravity. And level it out, level, yeah. Level the playing field. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, that could be it, yeah. It would just be interesting to see some alien sports, what they come up with, as presuming that they have sports. Yeah. yeah. Well, we do, this is where we find out that there's, what, 12 other alien species that they're all having to deal with, so yeah. I just picture, like, everybody from the cantina just, like, getting together and, and playing uh, football together. So. <laughs> yeah. They do jousting. <laughs> all right, so the, he gets hired, and it looks everything looks good. But now they're wondering how their bitch will do on a basketball court. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just turns to the camera and like shrugs. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) Credits. (laughs) That's it, though. I guess there's there's nothing else online about it, really. About the I couldn't I couldn't find much about the story. I mean, I couldn't find a PDF somewhere, but I couldn't find anything. I find not even mentioned. The name is used again in that anthology later. Like, was it George's idea to make the anthology together? Because like that. Well, I was so name. stupid. I didn't know if that was like a term in football, run to starlight. Like, but I realized. I guess he was just a big name in the story, and they'll you know anthologies will do that where they'll just name the collection the first. Yeah. Time. But uh, yeah. So it, it wasn't a it wasn't a George R. R. Martin anthology. It was just a general sports in sci-fi, sci-fi anthology. Sports, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he had, but both of his stories were in there. Yep, yep. And his story was the t- title of the collection. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's it for the run to Starlight. Now, if we are able to do the last Super Bowl in time, I'll attach it to this episode. So it'll be one mega episode. Yeah, I checked online. There's some relatively cheap, like, paperback copies. They're all completely beat up, but you can get a paperback yeah. copy for a couple bucks. Yeah. Can we get them in time is the question. So. I could, yeah, I had one. Uh, I can get one from Amazon by Friday. I don't know whether we <laughs> We're can manage. We're all going to be buying the same copy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the concern, right? <laughs> And then I generally have, after tonight, I'll have... Evenings available this week, at least. Well, how much is the the one that, that would come to you? Uh, uh, I think it was five dollars or something. Mm. Yeah, the hardcover is not even that bad. There were some for like ten or fifteen bucks, but it's not what like was the super. Name of the, thing again? the last, uh, the last super, super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's either in the Run to Starlight anthology. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or it's yeah. In I think the it children. was Run to Starlight. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, I was I was talking about the portraits of his children because that's yeah. the collection that has the last Super Bowl, but they're yeah. both in the Run to Starlight collection. Well, at least some of us can, can read it, and we can do a quick record on the weekend, and uh, I'll just attach it on. Mm-hmm. Is Super Bowl on the Sunday? Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me t- today. It was good to continue our reviews and uh, do something re- related to what's going on <laughs> in the current world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
So we are back later in the week to continue uh, our reviews. This time we're doing the last Super Bowl or the last Super Bowl game. Another short story about football by George R. R. Martin from the early 70s. Um, we've got the same crew today, except uh, Greg couldn't make it, but we've got another guest from the forums. Welcome back, Lee. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Good. We, we it's always good to have another expert in football. <laughs> Expert's a very strong <laughs> word. <laughs> we, we brought you in to assist the court. Well, I think you've got Here. some of us beat. So yeah, I think I think in comparison to everyone else, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess I yeah, um, my dismal fantasy record attests. I, I think experts very strong language. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I'm glad to be back. I'm sorry I missed the first half of the recording. No problem. Okay, so we're covering the last Super Bowl. I guess we'll just go around uh, and give a lemon cake score. Uh, I guess starting with Lee. Uh, I'd give, give it a, I'd give it a four, four lemon cakes. I thought, or four, uh, four downs. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's it's <laughs> melancholy. Uh, I, I guess for me the um, the thing that I was a little hesitant about with it was that it's a little, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly when it's published, but it, it definitely feels a little old fashioned in some ways. But I, I enjoyed the story. I guess the rest will just be by order of devotion to football. So. Uh, well, if we're going, if we're sticking with devotion, at least to our particular team, um, this is Amber. Amber rocks on the forums. Uh, immediately after reading it, I got weepy and teary, and I gave it a five. Um, but overall, I would say probably like a like a four point two five or four and a half. It was like the the football. Half of the story was really exciting and engrossing, and the other half was kind of interesting, but it was so dated, and I kept getting pulled out of the story by, you know, just how, like, oh, this, this sounds like this particular technology you have today, and it just kind of brought me out of it a little um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. You liked it, too. I liked it more than um, the previous story. Uh, somewhere along 3.5, maybe rising to a 4. Uh, like everyone, like Lee mentioned, I, I, I like like the sort of melancholy tone. It, it's more what I kind of expect from George, rather than the sort of like I don't know, hokey's not quite right. Like the the alien football game, just a little gee whiz kind of thing. Um, it, it did feel it did feel a little dated um, and a little unbelievable at some points, but yeah. um, hmm. but overall, I, I like the tone. I like the melancholy. Uh, so three point five, maybe a four. Um, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I, I thought it was one of those stories that it started off vaguely interesting and uh, you didn't necessarily have a, a character to latch on to, but it sort of managed to draw you in the more you read. And it just ends on such a haunting sort of lyrical final note that, it, I don't know, it just kind of elevated the whole piece for me. Um, and, you know, it's probably not as developed or as personal as some of his later fiction. I'm, I'm assuming this is like an earlier piece. Um, but I really like the use of mythic language and just the image of these mud-soaked athletes um, sort of, I guess, quote-unquote, raging against the night of the light, which is like a theme that yeah. pops up in Martin's <laughs> other writing. Um, so I think I'll give it a four out of five lemon cakes uh, with the caveat that um, I only just finished it like two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the early 70s. I don't have the exact date. I believe Greg looked it up. So I, I'll give it a 3.5 out of five. I thought it was a relatively good read. And I agree that elements of it were dated, uh, that being said, I th in suspects it's quite dated, but in other aspects he did. It's, it's interesting. Like I mean, he was in the early 70s and he predicted some things. Not not the end results that happen in terms of sports, but some of the technologies. It's interesting to see that perspective. And he's always been uh, 
forward-looking with you know genetic engineering and that kind of thing and tough voyaging. So yeah. it wasn't completely off the bat, but just date-wise, it was a bit off. And but I, I, I don't. I don't think it's believable. Like the end result is what would happen. Sure, and yeah. I'm not sure that he believed it either. He was just probably yeah, just yeah, speculating yeah. and just playing, just throwing things to see what if this would happen. This would happen. Yeah, but. that was okay. That was definitely my one real sort of bone to pick with the story in the end was that like, I guess I almost wish that I feel like he's too smart to have believed the sort of po- uh, point he was making. I guess, and I think the story is like worth that. But I wish he'd been a little clearer, almost somehow, in like demonstrating that he didn't necessarily believe it. You know? Mm. Yeah, and I think he had some sub points that weren't. It wasn't just the technology. I think we'll yeah. get through as we go through that he had to make. So let's jump into the story here, which is about a year from now in our time. The last Super Bowl is next year, 2016, and it's played uh, in the 832 aging fans, 12 sport writers, Boy Scout troop, and the commissioner of the national. Football League. That commissioner happens to be also the Boy Scout leader. I loved how <laughs> he kept throwing that in there. It was just kind of a little tiny bit of humor. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I like that. And the story basically is, as, as, as we said, it's two interweaving stories. One is the last Super Bowl and shows how like this is the end of the line. There's barely any fans, but the players are still putting up an epic fight. Interwoven with the story of how how did things get to this point? How did it get so bad for the sports? So, I mean, there's two different ways we could do this. We could just go through it interweaving, or we could just focus on one story or the other. What would you prefer? Maybe one at a time, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. if, if we're doing it sort of people who, who may not have read it, especially since this one's a little harder to get a hold of, it, it might be, yeah. Get access to Okay, well, why don't we, we start with the uh, technological side of the story, and then sure. we'll, we'll finish with the exciting yeah. game. Okay. All right, so it, it's... I mean, the story is kind of it's retrospective in that way because you know the end result is things have got, got bad, and it starts off to show what happened first. And it, what happened first, it, it talks about some interesting issues. Like he's talking about uh, arguments are the stuff which sports are made, and, and then like when you ask somebody like what what's the best team or what's like you know what's the best fighter and what specific or best player, you'll find out where where up and like what kind of person they are. Like it shows their con- their background, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. I think it's also. It's sort of interesting because it's funny that like I actually sort of I, I've I've heard this this um, sort of thing before about how like in some ways like uh, like smartphones have brought about like the end of like bar trivia discussions and like uh, yeah. differing about like oh who is that guy in MV and stuff like that which is true though I don't know if it's mm-hmm. been quite as uh, apocalyptic as George portrays it here but it's also interesting <laughs> that he definitely he definitely touches on like an um, touches on something pretty uh, like real i guess in that way but it's also interesting that for him he what this story is is this idea of like magic computer simulations instead of more just like having all the knowledge at the tip of your fingertips Hmm. Hmm. yeah Yeah, and i mean like there's a point in like um, i think it's the third page where he says like nor question there's some questions that could be answers and questions some questions that should be answers, and there's some that they're net, not meant to be known, not meant to be answered, and I felt morning comes misfall. Hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, about. it really is one of those things where, uh, I mean, yeah, all you're going to do, like, you can feed in, like, every, you know, for real, every, varib- every var- variable in the world, right? And But those variables are going to change 
constantly if, if a game was actually being played. And so even if you had like a really, really perfect or almost perfect simulation machine, like you'd wind up with, you know, like, well, in 74% of circumstances, you know, the Packers are going to win or something like that, which is just sort of like, well, that's not super interesting. It's like the, the answer um, makes the question, I don't know, the answer's not worthy of the question almost. <laughs> When I first heard I heard of the story, like the like football or the sports were dead and the computers had taken over, and I thought maybe he was going to be like, the computers have predicted everything that will happen, and then this last football game is supposed to test the prediction or something. Uh-huh. But he himself shows that no, it's not that. It's it's like it's not really predicting anything would happen. Like that's yeah, that would be boring. It actually just shows it, and it's, sometimes it might be wrong, it might be different, but it's basically become an alternate this sport. Yeah. It's just a, like, and and they make sure that it's not completely predictable. There's upsets, but like. It varies. It's just it's just more entertaining than the actual game because all the players are good. Every team is a championship team. You don't have like a league where it's stacked with like a couple championship teams and the yeah. rest suck. And I think that might have been one of the points. Maybe if if you ask George, are you in favor of a salary cap? I think he'd say yes because it's not fun to have one team that has all of the good right. players and the rest suck. Mm. It's boring. So this is an argument for a salary cap in a in a sport. And and, and I think like a salary cap in hockey is better. It's helped uh, footballers. The NFL is actually one of the most egalitarian sports leagues because it has very, very draconian draft laws that I don't understand. Um, Michael might know more. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, like, there. I'm pretty sure there is, but please, God, don't ask me how it works. <laughs> yeah. Like, my understanding of it is basically just that, like, unlike basically all other leagues, like, unlike, like, it is genuinely true that, like, if, if you do really well, you have a really, really bad draft pick. If you do really badly, you get a really, really good draft mm-hmm. pick. And there's no other elements of chance to that. That's the whole thing. And you have to pick people through the draft, so you can't, like, sneak players other ways. And then I think there might be some kind of salary cap involved, too. Or it might just be that everybody has enough money. So at the end of the day, like... Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, so well, at the end of the day, like, it is, like, teams do switch. Like, you know, you can have a team that was a dynasty for three or four or five years, but you can't really sustain it that much longer than that without just the like, good coaching, basically. Well, and I don't know, I don't pay close enough attention. And I know I've seen headlines about Russell Wilson, you know, going to be signing a new contract. He'll be the highest yeah. paid quarterback. And basically what that means is, okay, shit, now they're not going to have enough money to pay other good players. So it's, so there's definitely right. some form of check and balances in there. Mm. It is no baseball. Like, well, that could just be they just don't have money, not that they have a, a salary cap. If only we had a machine that we could just pipe in and see if there's a salary cap. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is, yeah. I, I, I looked it up. Uh, there yeah. is a salary cap. It yeah. is currently $133 million. Yes. Damn. <laughs> a year? So this is, it's something. I mean, yeah, the yeah, draft for a contract. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, that's for all And there's, yeah, well, there's the 45 team. people I mean, each in a player gets team. a lot of money. Like, yeah. Yeah. Good. But I mean, because drafting is only half of it. Yes, that'll help you develop a team, but like, if you don't have a side cop, they'll just go buy all those players later anyways. Yeah. It's, like, it's certainly not like baseball, where like, you know, the Yankees have individual starting pitchers who are paid more than entire teams. Like, I, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I think like CC Sabathia makes more money a year than all of Diamondbacks or something. There is some like weird, you know what I mean? Like, football doesn't have anything like that. And the other the other aspect of, of this underlying story, as it shows, like the computer started. Uh, well, just the idea of simulations. He kind of he doesn't quite put it in, in the way he describes it. I mean, it would have been hard in the '70s, but he kind of talks about, I guess, either like 3D animation or like like you know, like I guess we have that kind of 
it, just like simulating a game. Yeah, that that was to me was sort of like just embarrass. Like I mean, embarrassing is a little rough, but like the idea that that was an idea. Like somebody in the film industry would be like, "Hey, I just had this crazy idea. Why don't we? Sim- why don't? Why don't we have animation that's photorealistic?" And like everybody else at the movie studio was like, "Yeah, that would be really great if we could do that." Like that would have been saving us money for years. We wouldn't have to pay for actors either. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, was that a commonly accepted in 1970? Uh, how many people were thinking? Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, like I'm, I'm not saying that. that I'm saying it, it sort of seems dumb now. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it may not have seemed that way at all in 1970. But it was just funny the way it was presented as an idea. Like they say <laughs> that it was this one engineer, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it was just like what an incredible the word, idea. The words that are used to describe yeah. it are very modern yeah, exactly. at that time. Yeah. Like just like. But you can see, like, he had the idea, it just, it, they didn't have, like, the words to yeah. describe it. Like, he had yeah. to, like... It actually, you know what it makes me think of? It actually seems like a better analogy for video games and, like, home... Yeah. Like, yeah, I was thinking ...good maybe. home cable than it does for, like, actual... You know, because, like, it is... They, it's been a disaster for movie theaters. Hmm. You know, and, like... But, yeah, it, it, I mean... Yeah. The, Lord, the lords of movies. <laughs> <laughs> the lords of theater. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, I mean, like that's something. Like, there's a uh, there's a Connie Willis uh, short story or novella about uh, you know basically when they hit that point technologically where they can you know actually make a, a an anim you know quote unquote CGI or animated um, movie uh, where it looks like the actors are real people, like they're absolutely indistinguishable from filming with real people, and how it just completely kills like you don't know there are no actors anymore like everything is just you know you, every you pick your own leading uh char- leading ladies leading men or whatever every movie you go to you just you know say like who do you want to be the romantic lead or whatever and just pop it in um and i thought that was uh and i, I imagine it was written later or whatever but i thought that was a more believable sort of outcome to that technology yeah. Than the idea that people wouldn't uh, watch uh, live sports anymore. Well, common to both of these situations, you'd think like there's a certain personality element to players and or and to actors that would be lacking when it's just all generated. You think that would keep some some interest there? People yeah. like their celebrities; they like their heroes, and they like yeah, their celebrities. Like you know, like and there's mm. there's a, an element of like like a a real modern day like city versus city sort of a thing. And again, like I'm. Yeah. Civic right, I'm more of a college or, or football fan. Uh, anyway, and so like, for that especially, it's like you know, it's I don't care about like the UT team from 1963 versus like <laughs> like I don't give a shit. Um, but like right now today, you know, who has better, you know, who has who can field a better team is a lot yeah. more interesting than than that. Well, but I think whatever sport you like, you still would have. I would have loved to see this team play that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have that stuff as well. Um, again, like that was yeah. the thing. Like, I don't think that that he's ne- that it's necessarily wrong to think that the uh, the simul whatever his simulation computer was called. Um, I don't think it's wrong to think that that would be super successful. I just don't. Mm-hmm. I just can't imagine it. Like, it would it, it would come to exist alongside. Like, not uh, it wouldn't replace it. Well, it's a good point that it almost forecasts ideas of, you know, streaming video and video games and things like that rather than replacing, you know, sports stadiums. It's all these other things that people are attracted to that makes it so successful. Yeah. Yeah, I like that he did clearly think about it. Like, it wasn't as as sort of, 
like, oh no, computers, as I sort of thought it would be at the start of the story. Like, the idea of, like, being able to pick your teams, the teams you watch, like, that is an interesting concept. So... And it's a, it's a good comparison with movie theaters, like the idea of the movie theater being this special place that people congregate to is becoming less and less relevant yeah. as, as streaming becomes so much easier. The, you know, the idea of reproducing video reproduction is like the death of this. It, it takes sort of the varnish off something like a movie theater um, where yeah. you can just watch it anywhere. It, it kind of reminded me in a way of The Matrix how, yes, there's the possibility that that this outcome in this story would happen, but at the same time, people are always going to be people. Like there's always going to be that element where you can try and make it perfect, but people aren't going to be satisfied. So you always have to keep that human element of surprise in it. Like even if they were, you know, completely using CGI for actors for every movie, it seems like you would still have to have actors laying down like tracks in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, I don't think, think it's, people would stand for it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that you're right. Ultimately, I I imagine that people would still want to see those new actors and things like that. Yeah. Um, but acting isn't necessarily required in this scenario where they're just carrying out move, movements. It's not like they're delivering dialogue yeah. or performances or anything. They're just yeah. playing. You know, it's not like yeah. when you're watching a sports, when you're watching football, you know, the camera might occasionally zoom in on a player, but most of the time it's a bird's yeah. eye view sort of scenario. So it wouldn't matter that much, I think, to people. But does a simulation, like, does a player ever get mad and, like, punches coach? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They, they would do that probably. Yeah, they, does the computer really take that into account? Like, Maybe, yeah. but, like, you want those kinds <laughs> of personalities and you want them, you know, displayed and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, I guess they are to some extent, but, yeah. Or millions or billions of configurations that you could be, if they're killing sport, then you've got, what, like 100 years of baseball and 60 years of football. Like, eventually, those tweaks are going to get boring yeah, for people exactly. to to watch. Yeah. No, but they can, I mean, it, it can make new players. Yeah. They can make, they can make new teams. Like, it's, it's unlimited. And it's like the size of a city. Like that was one of the other things. Yeah. I saw. Like it just it kept more powerful. It just gets it bigger, bigger and bigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of like the internet. Like I mean, I guess it just parallels more just like the TV cable. Well, I mean, cable that they had there. But it was interesting that you get the home unit and it would like come to you at home, It'd be sent to you over like the wires or something. Hmm. But uh, so the, the one sub issue I talked about, like that you could extract, is maybe a view on uh, uh, salary cap. But the, another issue, like. There is like he says one of the reasons why like people easily switched over is because a whole generation had grown up without the chance to be able to watch the game like in person like nobody could afford to go to a Super Bowl and they never got that experience and I wonder if that's also like criticism of like how how expensive tickets are or how it's it's harder to see the game than it was before. Well, yeah, with the Super- and I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. With the Super Bowl at least. Um, it's actually pretty famous for always being very quiet. No fans go because all the tickets are for corporate sponsors. Like it's um, if you pay if you pay close attention when you're watching, you'll notice that it's it's very quiet. There's no like fan noise, and it's because it's just like it's there are very few actual fans who make it to the game. It's a lot of like contest winners and you know corporate retreats and boxes and stuff like that. So it, it is very different from a normal football game. And tickets are pretty expensive. Um, like the, I know that the waiting list for season tickets for the the Philadelphia Eagles is like twenty thousand people, thirty thousand people. Yeah, I um, mean it's certainly it's hard to get. I mean, fo- football tickets are more expensive than than other sports generally, but I mean it's also 
you know, if you want to go to a game a season or something like that, it's it's not ridiculous. I mean, no, no, it's it's not like it's out of the reach of the common man or something. <laughs> um, yeah, just, to, uh, to go to football. but the Super Bowl is oh, the Super like, the I mean, Super Bowl I mean, absolutely is. is the Super Bowl is yeah. that's certainly true. But I mean, it's I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Lee said, there's only so many people they can fit in there. Sure, too, exactly. So th- that's one. Yeah. Thing. I mean, yeah. And, and that that yeah. might be what sort of Martin yeah. is suggesting. You know, the idea of following a team is very much tied to, I guess, location and like culture and all that. Like you you support the team yeah. that that you grew up in. But when there's this big separation where the people who grew up in those places can no longer attend those games because they're such sort of ivory tower things that only the very wealthy can attend, people who probably don't even follow the teams in that sort of passionate way, then there's kind of that separation between the passion of the fan and the spectacle itself. Yeah. I mean, there are there certainly professional American sports teams that play at a stadium that's that empty. Um, the, the, mm, yeah. the Marlins, the Florida Marlins, have which I mean, that's baseball, but like they, they played a totally empty stadiums. Um, when Roy Halladay pitched a perfect game, there were less than 5,000 people in the stands. <laughs> and, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was just Super Bowl. I mean, I, I think it also it reflects, I mean, it, yeah, you could afford to go to one game, but, but the player salaries and everything have gone so high that it's harder to go to many yeah. like it was before, before you could go to. Well, many I mean, I, I guess, I mean, but it's almost more, um, I, I mean, I think the money is, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, um, uh, sorry, uh, I can't think of a thing uh, where you, there's only a certain amount of things, and so the price goes up. I sound like a, an idiot. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Like it's yeah, it's fine demand. Sorry. Okay. Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, there's just more people, right? And the stadiums aren't any bigger, so of course price goes up, you know, commensurate with that. But yeah. the same number of people are going to these games. Uh, the population is bigger, obviously, but the same number of people are going to these games because it's the same, you know, 80 or 100,000 seat stadiums. I mean, so it's it's not like fewer people are getting to go. That's I mean, true. Yeah, it, it might not be so much a criticism, but just like you know, lamenting that that's the fact. They just that's what happens. That'd be the same. Yeah. And again, obviously, I have to stand up and say, you know, college football is much purer, and people should. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, fans. No. You're a true Texan. <laughs> if I were, yeah, yeah, really, I should be talking about high school football. Probably, but <laughs> yeah. The description itself, like, was interesting. Just he kept using the term "lords of sport" and like how they gun fat and lazy yeah. and rich and whatever. And yeah, so he had maybe had a bone pe- to pick with the lords of sport. <laughs> it's a funny, uh, it's a funny phrase. It's pretty yeah. cheesy, but it's kind of cute. It's it almost, certainly it's almost captures like, what he's trying to say. Yeah, it's almost like this kind of Mad Max Two type language where this kid is has heard stories about the last Super Bowl and is retelling it to his yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one more question on this half of the story. Is like even if you accepted this change happen, I feel like things like the Olympics would still exist because the Olympics are like a reflection of uh, not just like I mean it's not just national pride but the power of your country. What you yeah, again, I, you just had a yeah. computer. Yeah, really I agree. I agree completely. It. I think the Olympics for sure. I think. Sorry, college football, uh, again, for sure, would be like that. I mean, like high school football, college football, I don't see any reason that... People are still playing exactly. sports. They're still yeah, playing, yeah. and they're all like slobs sitting there right. watching it. They, just, like, they don't want to watch yeah. other people. That's what he says, too. They played tennis and golf, but they didn't want to watch yeah. other people. Well, the, the one thing the story makes me think, though, is that like I end up thinking, like, huh, like at a certain point, they're going to be like, you know what, Like we maybe want some new famous teams, and suddenly all the simulcasts, like... 
start their own sort of like league just to get like more players and you sort of end up because like at the end of the day you will eventually they will eventually want new content basically you know they want they want fresh yeah. fresh stories to tell yeah and i think that there's only so much you can do with uh like they can randomly generate new players but yeah, I think that people, I think that one of the reasons that people like the the new simulated games is that uh, it's still all the old players that they love, kind of thing, right? Like you can be a Joe Montana fan or something. Well, not in this story because it was seventy five, but um, you could be a Johnny Unitas fan or whatever for your entire life, uh, or you know forever, and he would play forever. Um, but you could love that one guy. Um, and I, but I think that eventually uh, you would want uh, to have a new person that actually had personality and wasn't you know randomly generated yeah. or something. And it's sort of asking this question like, why do people watch sport? Do they watch it for the statistics, for to see their team you know represent them and win, or do they almost watch it for the narrative? Like that's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter whether it's real or fake or whatever. They just want to see the sort of I don't know the story unfold. And if that's on a movie screen with actors or CGI, it doesn't matter because all they want is that spectacle. That's what sort of fulfills them. Yeah. Well, just the, the that that parallel story that you you meant that you mentioned that in terms of like no actors anymore and just movies, I I, I probably would, I would watch that. Like it, it doesn't make a difference to yeah. me when I'm watching a movie if it's a real person yeah. or not. Like it's not real anyways. Right. That person, and I think I think actors are paid too much anyways. So well, I, I feel like it's together. different with actors because <laughs> there is so much brought by the actor just in their face, their little you know intricacies of their expressions and stuff. But I don't. Well, they can do all of that in the computer. Well, clearly they can't because like, <laughs> you watch the right, Polar but, I mean, Express just, and it's like just, looking at a dead thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just a technological future, argument. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah I mean, but even just, you know, what the actor is feeling on the day or, you know, it's, it's all on screen. It's something a computer can't take into account. It's a human thing. Uh, I, I mean, eventually, can, I mean, you know, I'm a futurist yeah. or whatever. I think eventually they'll be able yeah. to do that um, and the computers will be able to turn in the kinds of perf- uh, you know performances that people can turn in. <laughs> They'll be winning Oscars. <laughs> the first computer win- wins the Oscar. Yeah. That'll be the turning point. The, the battle of the, yeah. the theater. <laughs> well, we are seeing people like Andy Serkis, kind of these motion capture performances, which are pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. But again, I think you need the expression beneath, or the performance beneath. Here's the thing. Like, it can't just be ones the, and zeros. You won't be able to... Like, there'll be no more panels and things. Like, to go, like, go to Comic-Con and have like the actors show up. You'll have a like, computer sitting there. And like, there's no personality behind yeah. it. So that side well, aspect would be gone. But I, but I would still watch it for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, I can see it more for a movie than for a sport. Yeah, I think for a movie, it's it's yeah. more believable. I mean, and again, like, I think that you know, uh, at some point we will get there. Technological, tech, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> in terms of technology. Michael had an old football injury. He used to play football, <laughs> so just to excuse him. Okay. So, and, and yeah, I guess. Well, the, there is that third aspect, that we, the third issue, or the third issue or idea that comes up is yeah, just what's real, real versus simulated, and when does it matter? Like, I mean, like, is it right now? I could go watch FIFA and have a game played, but I find it boring because yeah. it doesn't look real. I mean, real, I don't. Just, I, I want the real. Well, thing. for me anyway, uh, in terms of you know, act, like the video game simulations, is that I think that yeah. the thing that always bothers me, and it bothered me in this story too, but. You know, I'm giving it a pass because whatever the technology is better, but like it's ridiculous to try to like take a player, especially one who's been dead for 20 yeah. years or whatever, and be like, no, these are his exact stats. This is him exactly. It's like, yeah, well, it's your opinion of yeah. what that guy is like. 
right? And so like yeah, half the debate is is what was his stat? Like what what is it, real ability? Exactly. Yeah. Who, who the hell knows? Yeah. 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 But but it it, it it wasn't this story wasn't that like sport completely predicted everything and it wasn't worth watching the real thing it was just it was more entertaining right exactly to watch this because the first one I wouldn't accept it completely predicted right but that could have been a story it could have been like the computers have predicted that like this score is going to be twenty one like seventeen or something and now there's no point in playing it and in fact I kind of initially thought that let's switch into the actual like last Super Bowl story and what happened okay. there because at times like. The score started one way, and then the Packers started to dominate it, and then it kept saying, like, the, everyone in the stands started to relax and stuff. And I was like, why, why did they start to relax? Like, were they expecting a certain score? Like, why does it keep saying Well, that? yeah, I guess so many of them were sports. I, I think when he kept saying, like, they started to relax, he was referring more to the, to the sportscasters, who I guess, it theoretically... Uh, you know, had made predictions and then were expecting their <laughs> predictions to happen, and so oh, that's true. Yeah, because well, they did write about it. Earlier, yeah, but it was, they had yeah. they had don't predicted. They already, don't they already know who's going to win based on computer? You know, the computer um, prediction. No, but no, the computer analysis. would do. The one time, the one time that it was mentioned uh, when they were trying to do computer analyses before games, they said they were always wrong. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't. And I don't. I don't imagine that changed because I mean. I thought that was on purpose. Like, uh, I don't think so. No. Like, I think they were just they were, they were wrong. Oh, okay. I think that hmm. it, there's just too many variables in a in a real real world game yeah. to to try to. I mean, that's it's. Ridiculous. I kind of took that repetition of them, you know, kind of being relieved as all I. What you said, Michael, that like they just were wanting their prediction come true but at the same time it kind of seems like what you want is an upset what you want is some crazy yeah. thing that will keep your job uh that will keep your job that there's some point to to being an actual sportscaster that you can't always predict what's going to happen well i sort of read it as like at that point the computer had become evolved enough that it was actually able to predict um i mean obviously it's sci-fi but it was able to predict you know with 100 percent accuracy the outcome of any game based on statistics and players and whatever and these people were basically this was their sort of last go to see if if the computer was right and, and they were watching and they knew that the packers were supposed to win and i guess i don't know like yeah. if they did win they made the right decision and they could sort of yeah. let go of football you know real football once and for all but uh, you know the ultimate goal, I guess, was if the um, other team, the Jets, won, then maybe the computers could have been proven wrong. So that was yeah. the goal. But didn't. No, I, I yeah, thought, I, I don't it, think that was... that was that was it too. But it yeah. didn't maybe not. Like, okay. I, okay. Yeah, that could have been a story. Yeah, yeah. That, right. That could have been a, a story, but I don't think it was this one. I mean, in this one, it was sort of yeah. it was all very. Uh, like it, the NFL was done, right? Like it didn't matter yeah, what happened. Even early in the uh, the story, it says it had begun long ago when someone decided to settle an old argument. I thought that that was talking about this final Super Bowl game. They're going to have like a bet and see what happens, but it wasn't. It was just, it was just showing how the whole story started. Well, that in terms of the that's what I really like about the story is that at the end, it doesn't like the yeah there isn't any stakes on this game. There's nothing like fancy about it. It's not the final. It's not like they're they're trying to save football. It's not like a sports movie. You know, it's just. It's the last game, and everyone wants to have it be a good one. And in the end, it, it yeah. goes out with kind of a whimper. Yeah, it would have been. I mean, to have that upset, to have that final play, would have been the best way to end it, and it doesn't. 
doesn't get there. But it, are the Jets and Giants both uh, George's favorites? Um, it's the Jets and the Packers. Um, no, no, he loves the Jets. The Giants. No, oh, George sorry, yeah, 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 that's correct. Likes, yeah. The Jets are one yeah. of his favorites. Because it's funny because both times they make it, they're always the underdogs, yeah. and the Giants are like mediocre, and they yeah, both yeah. lose. <laughs> both these teams lose in the story. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> but like, so the actual last Super Bowl has the Packers, right? As, as you said, I believe had. Uh, Won the first mm-hmm. Super Bowl, so it was appropriate yeah, that they were there. Right. They yeah. moved against the Jets, who had also had moved. Yeah, um, it's a cheese okay. sandwich. So the, yeah, and yeah. even I know from like he's <laughs> uh, not a blog that George always talks about how defense wins championships. So the Packers have like, mm-hmm. a powerful yeah. defense. Yeah. Offense is, is showable. Uh, the Jets have a, have Kevin Keith Lancer, and they have a good offense. But I could kind of be like, oh, okay, defense is probably going to win because that's what he favors. Um, and so, yeah, they have the classic confrontation, offense against defense, one brilliant man against a smoothly oiled machine, one lone hero against a horde of monsters. It's very romantic, which I think sports certainly can be, but I feel mm. that right off the bat, you know, from him counting the number of people in the in the stadium, the weather was kind of drizzly and yucky. Um, mm. it, it does mm. lend such a romantic kind of melancholy, as yeah. you said, air to it. And it it also, is very melancholy. Yeah, sorry. I was just gonna, it makes you think of there's a famous George Carlin bit about football and how it's this wet, cold, industrial game that's played at like the worst season of the year. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's complimentary too. Like he's not like it's not a George Carlin liked football, but it's it, it, this makes me think of that a lot. You know, it's the I loved it. I thought it's a really it's a great ending. Yeah, and it is very melancholic, and the stadium is almost like this sort of dying beast. It's not; it hasn't been, you know. Stadiums are often like the thing that gets destroyed during a a disaster or something, but here it's not destroyed; yeah. it's sort of just abandoned, and it's just this crumbling sort of Greek amphitheater that that uh, people have just lost interest in, and they've forgotten it's, it's sort tired. of memories and its histories, and it's just been abandoned, and it's, it's sort of yeah, weirdly tragic in that that Martinesque kind of way, like the. What's that place in um in Essos like the Sorrows or something? That city that's been abandoned and it's like mist and shrouded and yeah. the uh, was it the festival city and, and Tyrion you can hear the sort of songs and the laughter mm. and yeah. the sort of dark silence. Hmm. Yeah, dying of the light, as you said, it's kind of has that themes. There's one thing I'm going to mention here. I forgot to mention in the earlier discussion was uh just the situation where the Lords of Sport they, they're losing and they switch over trying to like sue yeah. them and stuff and then they fail out. That, that was, I think that's what would happen, and it's happening in movies, too. I think, yeah, I think that would absolutely happen. Yeah. I think it would have happened. I mean, the NFL is pretty voracious, I think, about stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Like, it would have happened yeah. immediately. As soon as anybody tried to use yeah. anybody's fucking logos, like, the NFL would have gone bananas. Yeah. Like, I don't care if it was on the radio or somebody wrote a fan fiction or whatever it was. Yeah, but, like, yeah, they would yeah, have gotten nuts about their, their logos and stuff. Yeah. 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 But the, the courts used the fact that the they hadn't objected during the radio yeah. stuff earlier against them, and it was interesting because I, I mean that's kind of like George's argument against fan fiction too. It's like you kind of have to you gotta always object watch even if you don't care, shit, just yeah. just to hold on to your copyright. Right. Yeah. So that was interesting. But anyways, back to the story here. I think Michael, you you found either an error or you, you had a question about. Uh, there was uh, there was down. a strange thing in the very first um, the very first Green Bay egg, uh, Green Bay Drive. I think they the it says they. Sorry, I'm not on the page anymore. Um, but it was they drove down to around the 35, and then yeah, um, blah 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 Packers before the drive finally bogged down around the 35. The field goal attempt was wide. The Jets took over on their own 20. 
And I usually you would take over where the at the spot the other team was when they missed the field goal. So I thought Which that was odd. Hurt. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why that would be, but mm. was there a rule change since back then? I don't know. Or? I didn't try to look it up, but no, that's a pretty old rule. I mean, I think it's probably just a typo. Hmm. Would he have forgotten to put in a kick return or something? Like after they, the failed field they, goal, do they just they miss the, yeah? It's, it's just goal. like it's just like yeah, it's just like failing to convert on fourth fourth down. Like they just take yeah. the ball oh, over. Oh, so you just was. start there. Yeah. yeah, it went wide and they took over. Oh, it does say, it do, Michael, it does say near the 35. It does near say 30, near the 35, but like also... It's you feel, yeah, and you feel pretty yeah. stupid missing a 20 uh, field goal from the 20. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was raining, so I mean, it's not impossible, but like you're you're going to... It's more likely you're going to miss a field goal. Um, and it's not a 35-yard field goal because you have to add the things, but so it's like... For, Okay, well, maybe George will give it a chance. It's just a typo or yeah. something. It's probably just a typo. But it, it's interesting. You caught that? All right. Um, uh, I'm looking at a list of NFL rules changes. So in 1994, it says, All field goals attempted and missed when the spot of the kick is beyond the tarred line. The defensive team taking possession will get the ball at the spot of the kick. Based on the fact that that's a rules change, it looks um, like maybe hmm. they did. They used to just get it to the 20. 20. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Nice. There you go. There we go. Yeah, I'll explain. Right. Yes. <laughs> Good work. So the Packers are like you know expected to win, and the Jets are underdogs. And the... initially, who gets ahead? No, the Jets actually get yeah. ahead. The underdogs get ahead early on because uh, Keith Lancer keeps doing all these different throws and stuff. And uh, oh yeah, so tell me what a blitz is exactly. Um, What's a blitz play? A blitz is basically just when you go for the quarterback. Like instead of so like instead of um, like you're always sort of going for the quarterback, but it means that if I and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, I'm definitely could be wrong. You don't even really try to cover the running backs or the wide receivers or anybody. You just like everyone charges straight forward. You smash so, through the defense. And you yeah, smash I mean the the, de- the defense is always making decisions about like you know how much pressure they want to put on you know the receivers or stopping the running game or pressuring the quarterback. And if you're putting a lot of pressure or putting a lot of uh, emphasis or a lot of uh, your resources on stop on trying to get to the quarterback, then that's a blitz, which is what Lee said it was. You're going to you're sending Mm -hmm. extra defenders uh, through the line to try to hit the quarterback before you can throw instead of, say, you know, putting those guys uh, backing those guys out and having them try to intercept passes or stop running backs or whatever. So the, the appeal of it is basically that, like, if it works, you knock the quarterback down and maybe even go from, like, first and 10 to, like, second and 15 because you push right. them back further. The, the risk, of course, is that you are not covering the actual offense as well. And so you give the quarterback an opening to maybe, like, get a good pass in or maybe a running back is going to slip by the two or three people you left sort of behind, you know? Well, so on the second, the... Let's. He doesn't have the ball anymore. You can't touch him, right? Right. Yeah. But don't you have like a second before that? Like, is there not like a second transition time? Like, if you're already in the air going at him? Oh, or, sure. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, there's the, basically. I mean, that's true. It's um, the rules are a little bit fluid. And a couple of times in this story, uh, the the Packers got penalties for either hitting the quarterback late or hitting him too hard. Um, yeah. 
quarterbacks are sort of given a special protected position because they're vulnerable because they're paying attention to something yeah. else. Um, and so, but like, if it's they're kind legitimate, of fragile, exactly. Other players. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's my question. Yeah. Is like, is it, I hate I hate it when like a sport. Like the purpose of a player is just to injure another player. Sure. Like is, is that only a secondary purpose, or the, the? I mean, it seems that whenever that happens, like yes, we've injured their quarterback. I'm like, why can't you beat them regularly? You have to injure the sure. player to do it. Like, is that? But is that common in football? Uh, uh, I mean, that's a pretty bad sportsmanship to try to deliberately yeah, injure like, somebody. And I, I mean, I don't think I, I don't know. Pretty, pretty rarely do, do fans, I feel like, act happy when they've when they've managed when they've injured somebody um <laughs> it's certainly and again like football is getting a lot of publicity lately or the nfl especially football in general um is getting a lot of publicity lately about uh you know long-term effects of of concussions and and various things like that mm. and so the nfl is definitely on a, a safety kick at the moment uh yeah. trying to make sure that people don't get hurt as much um it's so, really like it, yeah. it doesn't have the stuff like in hockey. There are those players whose like their whole job is just to hit you, and like yeah. you don't really have yeah. bruisers like that in football. No. But at the same time, like football is a game where the quarterback is gonna get injured. Like you know what I mean? Like he's if it's gonna happen, he's the quarterback's probably like two hundred pounds, and if you have some, if one of the linemen hits him, he's pr- going to get hurt, and it may not be someone's fault. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can get the uh, the intimidation factor, mm-hmm. which is fine. You're trying to make you're definitely trying to scare him for sure. Faster. Yeah, yeah. But like, if your only goal is to actually like no, like, like yeah, the, the, a, a blitz, like, a blitz. Yeah, yeah. Like a blitz it. has a different purpose. I mean, the blitz you're trying to hit the quarterback in the backfield so that they lose yards instead of gaining yards. Like, right. there's a it's a totally legitimate, uh, not not a scare tactic or anything like that. It's just yeah. a trying to, you know, make them lose yards instead of gain yards. What would be illegitimate would be purposefully like, oh, he's thrown it, and then you smash into him anyway, and then afterwards try to yeah. say, like, it was too late to stop. That would be right. illegitimate. That that, yeah. that could happen on any play, not just the Sure. Boys. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a – yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously – I mean, that's a referee call for, you know, roughing the passer or uh, personal foul or, or various yeah. things like that. And, like I said, there, there are actually a couple of those um, – uh, what's his name? Lancer does get uh, hit badly a couple of times, and and they get penalties uh, called against the Packers. So. Well, the other thing is also those are you also like you can you might try to do that, but it's it's not necessarily a great idea because they'll hit you back. Like, and the team is protective of the quarterback. Earlier this season, yeah, um, the Redskins had a really late hit on Foley, the Eagles' quarterback, and it ended up starting like a pretty big brawl between the linemen. Because they were like the Eagles were furious because it's not sportsmanlike, um, and because the Redskins mm-hmm. and Eagles were sort of old rivals, there was already a lot of like bad blood. So it's not it's not common and it's not encouraged. Yeah, yeah. The Jets were doing well early, uh, but then Packers came back and eventually Lancer gets injured, so he goes off before halftime, I believe. Okay, so Packers are way ahead, twenty four seven. People are leaving like the the, the stadium, and uh, you think that was it, but no. I did, the Jets are coming back. I did think it was kind of funny, like almost a little awkward to be reading about football play by play, because in your it, it the way it's written, it sounds exciting, and you know things are happening, and I'm trying to read it in this you know heightened pace, but at the same time I'm trying to pay attention because there's numbers and things involved that I don't necessarily follow very easily, so it was just kind of this strange. 
it's strange to read a play-by-play of football when everything happens so fast in real life and you're reading it at the pace of what your brain can understand or my brain. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Hmm. But still well, kind of by, really the, by the final plays, it got exciting, but... Yeah, I don't really know the rules of American football at all, but I still found it exciting. Just like, you know, the two gladiators kind of just smashing into each other and passing the ball back and forth. So I think it still worked on sort of excitement level. Mm. And just the imagery of yeah, the I mud being... I appreciate being... there's a lot of strategy as well, right? Like, even I don't know what's going on a lot of times, there's there's a lot of strategy mm. in the game. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought the, the um, you know, excitement of the game came through relatively well. Yeah. Well, he, he has all this... Perhaps over the top descriptions sometimes, but if like it's just like these the forefront came like roaring like demons out of hell mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's pretty epic. and just the environmental sort of <laughs> aspects the mist and the rain and the yeah. field just being churned up into mud by these by these yeah. warriors is very epic I think. So does the does the time stop when the ball goes out like or is it, is um, it basically the time um, if if you go out of bounds with the ball. Or if a pass is yep. incomplete, uh, the, ball, the the clock will stop. If you are mm-hmm. tackled inside the field, okay. then the clock will continue to roll. Yeah. Oh, so that's why they're going exactly. slower. Like, yeah. You know, when it's a tackle. So the Packers, so are, if you're if you're ahead, then you run the ball a lot and try to run the clock out. Um, yeah. Whereas, uh, like they were saying in that last Jets drive, uh, it was all like sideline passes because you need the guy to go out of bounds. Right. Yeah. Well, and so they is, scored. They were. Is, is there a two-minute thing? Is there two? Uh, the there are, there the are other things. There are other things that stop clocks. Uh, when the quarter changes, obviously. Yeah, timeouts. Yeah, timeouts obviously will stop yeah, a clock. Using. Uh, at the two-minute warning, I think the clock stops, which is just the last two minutes of the uh, second quarter, last two minutes of the fourth quarter, um, and then I think when the quarters change, the clock stops. Things like that, but. So they scored, they came close, uh, but there's like a minute left and they're going to kick and suddenly it starts raining like crazy, you know, and it gets muddy. And uh, because of that rain, I guess, in the mud, they were actually able to get the ball back at the, uh, where did they get it? About halfway to the field or? No. It's, uh, uh, what are we, are we talking about the onside kick or? Yeah, the very, yeah, the, the onside, onside kick, kick, they would have gotten the ball close to, uh, so I mean, an onside kick, you're kicking very short, so you're going to get it pretty close to where yeah. you kicked it from. Which is there we go near near the yeah, 50. yeah be like yeah forty or something like that yeah it's raining it's hard to get there but somehow they just keep passing kept getting close with a few seconds left to get there Lance try gets the ball he tries to run it in I think right yeah and uh, then somebody takes him out that's it yeah they should have scored but they didn't <laughs> it's a very play. it's a very George R Martin ending yeah heartbreaking yeah. And then Lancer helps up the person who took him down, and then like he smiled to hide the tears. So and so strangely did the Packer. Yeah. Because this is the last game; they're not going to play again. And then they they're leaving the, the stands around. Yeah, I love that pit. Yeah. Just the it. the rhythm of the of the paragraph, so sort of yeah, lyrical and and um mm. yeah, melancholic. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. well, and you're kind of going along, and you're reading about the lures of sport, and at least. From this time frame, you know, it seems a little cheesy and like, oh, that wouldn't really happen. But at the end of the day, what they're fighting for is this human competition, you know, where everybody's trying to be the best. And and it's just so kind of visceral and fundamental to what it is to be a human. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, 
I, I actually. And no one cares. I, yeah. I, I a lot. Sorry. Um, yeah. There was a thing where it mentioned something about how some, you know, one of the, like, the game that really killed it was when there was this really boring Super Bowl. And the thing is, what I liked about that is that, like, I think boring games are important. Like, they happen a lot. Boring games are what make exciting games exciting. Like, it's just like. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that was but worth that, thinking about. It's, it's better when that's the regular season if it's just more boring stuff and then the, the, like the playoffs or whatever are more exciting. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, like all the computer-generated games, people preferred them because there were those more exciting plays, but at some point, to kind of resetting the yeah. public consciousness of what makes a great game. Oh, there were only five turnovers in that game, so totally boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, yeah. They, do say, they do say in the, um, the simulated games still had... Uh, boring games they were just slightly fewer and yeah. slightly less boring yeah so i mean it was really just more a matter of uh you never want the actual super bowl to be boring yeah i mean, I mean you, you never want, i don't know i mean you never want any game to be boring but there are boring games yeah. no but i can i can see the argument of like that needs to be argu- I mean, even, the, even the computer has it but like do you really need the super bowl to like one year be boring I mean, or the next one no but like last year the super bowl no, was super very boring are often boring yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> I i almost I never give it boring. Like, I mean, it's pretty common. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it part of it to, like, I guess it's having people around you and hanging out? And well, yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl has become chatting. a, you know, sort of a holiday thing here. But it's got, it's, it's got more of an advertisement with the gameplay between it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I almost am never it, particularly interested in the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. It is sort of presenting a very sort of gluttonous idea of what the public is, that they need constant source of amusement and, and highs and all these things from, from their uh, viewing, I guess, their movies and television and sports and all that. They need that constant rush. Um, they're not sort of content with, with anything else. I kind of pictured everybody as Wally. Like, you know, the the big <laughs> people who just, they never want to leave their chairs. They just yeah, well, no, they exactly. still play tennis and golf. Constant stimulation. That's true. Yeah. It's pretty... When, when is the last time the Jets and uh, Giants have won? Uh, the Giants won in the 90s. Oh, no, no they the won Giants recently. Won. They beat the, the, yeah, they beat the Patriots or whatever. The Giants won in 2011, yeah. They beat the Patriots. Uh, okay. It was the worst Super Bowl ever. I had to watch Giants. <laughs> uh, yeah, 2011 season, 2012 was the uh, the game. Well, it's because the Patriots didn't diff the balls. Then. Yeah. Well, I've always hated the Patriots, <laughs> and I also hate the Giants. So it was a rough year to be in New England and watch that. <laughs> um, the last time the Jets won was 1968. Oh wow! Is that wow. Joe Namath? Uh, yeah, that Oops. was Joe Namath. The Man. Jets are terrible. They've only been once. <laughs> And that, and that, yeah, it was just John Amos. I guarantee it. Wow. Yeah. Right. Is it, is that Eagles when they were at the Super Bowl, or did they win? They won. Joe Namath uh, was oh. their quarterback, and he guaranteed a victory uh, like two days before. Mm. <laughs> it was nice. Joe Namath is a pretty funny guy, but uh, <laughs> he was like laying on a lounge chair, you know, swims just swim <laughs> trunks on. You know, big curly chest hair, gold chain, uh, reporters reporters all around him, and he's like, yeah, I guarantee it, we're going to win. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. 
But yeah, the Giants and well, that's one of those ones where it looks great when you're right, but if you're wrong, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But at the same time, like (laughs) I don't think anybody would be talking about Joe Namath in 1968 if he'd lost, right? Like his like it would have gone down, you know, the record books or whatever. The but but, like (laughs) nobody would remember it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Do you have anything else to say? Or Um, I think I'm all good. I don't. I don't don't know how much tolerance people have for more field goal rules trivia. But um, (laughs) actually, so it was, it was only prior to 1974, which is right around the time the book came out or the story came out that missed field goals resulted in the opposing team getting possession on the 20. Um, The 1994 rules change that I mentioned changed it from the uh, opposing team taking possession at the spot of the kick instead of at the line of scrimmage. So just for the uh, football rules, Pedants out there. Yeah. Oh. Uh, there you go. I think it was seven. Wait, before seventy-four, it would, would, would have worked. So yeah, mean? before seventy-four, the rule was as described in the story. Uh, yeah, and I think this was written. Yeah, it was published in seventy-five, but yeah. There we go. Yeah. So there you go. It just it yep. fit there. Hmm. All right. Well, I have to. I think I have to go. It seems yeah. like we're also finished, but yeah. Just just as a completion, like so. So what are you? Is anyone watching the Super yes. Bowl? Yes. I have to do? work. I will be watching. Uh, and Amber, I guess, is watching. I will be watching and drinking from probably about 11 o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and who, who's, who's in the final now? Like, what are the two teams? Maybe I'll actually watch Seahawks it. and the Patriots. Yeah, it's the Seahawks and the Patriots. So, oh, the Seahawks are actually there. Yeah, I will okay. be rooting for the Seahawks because I hate the Patriots. Yay! Yeah, everybody <laughs> hates the Patriots, but I've, I'm feeling like everybody hates the Seahawks now, too. So I don't hate the Seahawks. A little cocky. Yet. A little cocky. <laughs> And when's the last time the Seahawks won? Last year. But before that, they had been never once and had never won. So you got to try to get that back-to-back thing. Get get into the record books there. Because what is it? It's the whole thing that nobody's had a back... Nobody's even been back-to-back, let alone won back-to-back in 10 years, I think. And the Patriots were the last to do that. Yeah. It's hard to do. The NFL is a lot more even than most leagues. Yeah, that's true. It is hard. So I didn't even consider, and this, I just kind of assumed that everybody was picturing this game as the NFC Championship that happened two weeks ago. Um, so just to, to share, I mean, if you, you didn't follow that game at all or anything. So it was the Pack and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks were playing uh-uh. shitty the whole time. And the, and the Pack, you know, people were actually leaving the stadium, and we've got clearly rabid fans here. Um, and then in the last, what was it, four minutes? Yeah. I don't know, something uh, like the that. Packers, the Packers blew a bigger lead uh, in that game than they did in this game. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it was pretty Packers completely... So that's why you were like... I'm not really talking about that. It was essentially almost kind of the same game with a different outcome. You know, you're losing the whole game, and then in the last, like, sense of the game, something, some amazing miracle happens, but instead of, um, hmm. instead of it just ending and him getting tackled and the game being over, um, it went into overtime, and the Seahawks won... You know, incredibly, unforeseeably, you know, total miracle. So it was just, it was very emotional for me. This story, like, yeah. if I, I think yeah. I've read it before, and I think when I read it last year or whatever, um, you know, oh, that was an exciting game. That's kind of sad, kind of melancholy, but yeah. it was kind of a different dimension. That's fun. Sorry, right. Martin's grim portents didn't come true. Yeah, the <laughs> still has its magic, I guess. <laughs> Unless something horrible happens okay. before well, 2016. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. One more yeah. year to, for it all to fall apart. 
Um, well, I'm glad to have returned to podcasting with you all, and Yay. I have to go. Um, okay, thanks for yeah, joining us. Of course, us. good to yeah. talk to you all again. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everybody. And thanks, everyone out there for listening. Uh, check us out at bastardsofkingswave.wordpress.com or bok.podcastadviceandfire.com. Yeah, and we'll continue our George uh, verse and Martin Sphere reviews in the future. Probably still short stories because they're easier to, to handle than the books right now for records. Yeah, it's. I think it would also kind of feel weird. I mean, not that we shouldn't do it or whatever, but it would feel weird after the amount of depth that we managed to do on a twenty-page story to suddenly yeah. <laughs> have to do a, oh, you know, a novel. Ten episodes. Yeah. 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 Marathon. Longer than the world of ice. Yeah. Chapter by chapter. Well, we'll just, reread. We'll just uh, yeah. come up with like some simulated people to podcast for us instead. Yeah. Like, we'll just create the yeah. yeah that, Put it into a computer. See what insights they come up with. That's, that's, that's when Duncan couldn't make it. We're like, oh, we'll just put somebody yeah, to yeah, the just... computer. Yeah. We'll put in his characteristics. He, he's from <laughs> Australia <laughs> and he's this. Yes, male. They'll figure yeah. it out. There's not too much. I mean, he's a guy from Australia. Like, I think we're probably good. There's so many, so many things I can say. Yeah. <laughs> good day. Yeah. yeah. All that. On the box. Just me spamming. Like, yeah. Stuff. Just Pat would say his slogans. Like, it sounds a little weird to me. But, and that, but that we can see, like, how the different podcasters would have been together. Like, people that can't hold yeah, together. Exactly. Would have been, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Put all their episodes the great hosts of the past. in one computer. And, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mark Maron and... <laughs> On our podcast. <laughs> All right, that was good. We did an early morning recording. Just send me your records, uh, okay? Because okay. I might need them. Very early yeah. recording. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to put it, nice put it job, together John. tomorrow. So yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. All right. Thanks, Have guys. Watch See you guys later. George's blog when I released it, I'd be like, hey, George, we reviewed your football <laughs> Yeah, oh, we're going to reel him in with the football. We're like, hey, buddy, yeah. just, to, just in case you're... Uh, How'd you yeah, like football? Yeah. How'd you like that <laughs> stuff? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> he might actually... Re- I, I think he's aware of it, but he's never actually, like, reposted or re- reblogged those of the BOK episodes. Like, he in general, he just doesn't... Re- like, he reads them, but he doesn't really respond. But well, he's got to be tickled that we're talking about, like, yeah. old Adam yeah. stories. Yeah, no one else probably... Is. So sick of a song of ice and fire. He wants something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I always think that that must be true. All right. Um, cool. Well, thanks guys again report. for yeah. being uh, flexible with the timing. I appreciate it. And this uh, is I'm getting out exactly the right time. So. Oh, cool. Good deal. All right. Just send me records. We'll see you. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank- yeah, I was thinking it's weird reviewing stories that no one's going to be able to get, <laughs> like unless they like buy a used copy or find it through interlibrary loan. Like you can't get these yeah. stories anywhere; they're not even on ebook. I think, I mean, they are available in a lot of libraries. Like it just takes time to get them. Yeah. Plus, and you have to know which which specific issue to. George yeah, will eventually whole... reprint them all. Yeah. All... Dream Songs Volume Three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He, like he's missing some of his best ones. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, volume two just seems to be like chunks of, you know, stuff that I don't know, just like yeah, screenplays, entire and no- novellas and screenplays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like volume one better. <clears throat> okay, we're good to go. Football, yep. let's do it. <laughs> Sports, sports ball, hooray! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do this. <clears throat> What's the order? <laughs> you, you'll see. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>
Nancy. Okay.